Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders now. now does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear left turkey central ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta Jeb, Jeb, what kind of engine do you have in the Debonair? I have a Continental IO520. Well, there you go, then. Good for you. Congratulations. My, my engine was my engine uh, was manufactured by a company that, as of March of next year, will be owned by the Chinese. That's right. So you're gonna like you have to learn Chinese in order to do to do maintenance, right? You're going to are the manuals going to be? No, I don't know. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it could make it a magic moment to get Millennium cylinders if you didn't already have them. I already They're have still them. Major. Well, I I have the Millennium Cylinders that have an AD on them. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, every 50 do I, yeah. Yeah. Do so, a, um, a compression check. But the Millennium is not owned by, that. that's an independent company, right? Um, well, it's not anymore. Superior, superior is the parent, um, is, I should say the company. The brand is Millennium. I see, um, okay. And Superior did, I believe, get acquired by the Chinese. Did it not, Dave? I think so. Ah. I just kind of making this whole thing start to feel like, uh, okay, well, just as we're about to move into the era of a, uh, a, a t- totally self-sustaining fuel possibility, we're seeing our engine capabilities move offshore. So maybe well, time we'll, we'll, to motor company. We, we might be talking about this in a little bit more detail um, soon. How so? The, with a glance at the list. Oh, okay. There's another subject here. Well, so all all kidding aside, is it yeah. is it is it such a bad thing that uh, so? What's the story here? TCM. What's TCM? TCM is Teledyne Motors. Um, the T Teledyne um, is the parent company. Mm-hmm. It used to be simply Continental Motors. Okay. Uh, and it's Teledyne's owned them. I'm guessing twenty some odd years, maybe more. Um, Continental's an old line engine manufacturer. I have a 1969. Massey Ferguson tractor, okay, that has an engine in it, a four-cylinder gasoline engine that is a Continental engine. They've been around doing engines for a while. Lycoming's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, before that, Franklin. Before that, you know, Pratt and Whitney was making piston engines. There's there's a lot of uh, you know companies out there. But anyway, um, right. There was the right. So they've been around. They've been part of Teledyne. Teledyne this week sold them to, uh, let me pull up the link, uh, a Chinese company, um, uh, Avi something, um, Avic International. Uh, the deal's supposed to, they were going to be sold to that company. The deal's supposed to close in March of uh, 11. Mm-hmm. Um, they, all the signs are, you know, all, all the, uh, all the signs. All the uh, talk is among the company, by the company, that they will change nothing. They will keep the Mobile, Alabama facility, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, yeah, I'm sure they will for, for a while. Uh, but I'm sure down the road things will start to change. Um, how, how they'll change, uh, uh, when they will change, and, and where, to where they might change. Right. 
uh, are the questions. I mean, this is just the way of the world now, right? This is th- these things are happening. This is a, uh, an effect of the fact that the world is changing, and it's isn't we don't bad. Make, it, we don't make anything in this country anymore. Well, and airplane we engines a, and airplanes are one of the few things we still make. Airplane engines and airplanes are one of the things, few things that we still do make. Um, we will still be making airplane engines. Yeah, and, um, and a couple of guys. Have, coming, some, go ahead. I'm sorry. A couple of guys have suggested that you know the idea that they're going to keep it in Mobile, sit Mobile Downtown Airport. It, it's an old airport, an old facility yeah. for an old business, but yeah. they do it well there. Uh, but rather than wholesale move it off to China in the you know the whatever the Neverland someday is, that expect to see them duplicate in China what they need to support a, a, a future Chinese market and leave the R&D and the North American and European manufacturing here because that would make it easier to get FAA approval for sure. a product here and then duplicate it overseas. Sure. And it and, and, and made some sense to me. Well, another thing going on here, too, is... Um, China is is probably the the next and perhaps last um, um, non mature market for general aviation products. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinese re- have have made a lot of steps uh, in the last decade or so. You know, here before it's been a fairly uh, um, uh, uncommon sight to see a general aviation aircraft in China. That is changing. They've opened up the airspace. They are promoting uh, several uh, manufacturers in the country, Cirrus being one of them. Um, TCM powers Cirrus aircraft. Um, so it's amazing. It's incredible. It, it, there, there is some synergy there if you look at it from that standpoint. I, I tend to think that... Um, um, it's pretty much inevitable. I'm kind of surprised that, uh, and we've had manufacturers that have been owned uh, by overseas companies. It was just kind of inevitable that uh, uh, an overseas company, whether it was Chinese or Russian or or, uh, or French, uh, would would buy out one of the stay engine manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's 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 going to be a lot happen in China. I don't think there's any way out of that. Is the status quo is. Let's look at the United States. We've got about 315 million people. Uh, probably, what, 80% of China's land mass. Uh, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 300,000 aircraft uh, flying around at about 5,000 airports. China's got 900 airplanes for a population of about 1.1 billion. Right. About 25% more land mass. And only a, a, a few hundred uh, airports, uh, predominantly military setups that, as you say, now they're starting to open up the airspace. They're talking about building more airports, making more airplanes, making more pilots, because they've become uh, believers in the idea that uh, air access is a real boon for business at all sorts of levels. Mm-hmm. So off they go. If you could... Uh, blame anyone for how this is going. You could blame us because this is what we've been selling 
in general aviation for 60, 65 years now. Yeah. So, I mean, we may be troubled by the possibility that these manufacturing jobs will leave the U.S. eventually. Um, are, do we have fears about the availability or quality of the product? Um, initially, no. Um, what, what is it you're concerned about eventually? I don't. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm concerned about change. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, um, someone goes to start messing with the metallurgy of a crankshaft or camshaft. Um, maybe they shave a little bit here in a in a, in a crank in a crankcase. Uh, crankcases start cracking. We already have enough chronic problems with cylinders. <laughs> Okay, I was going to say the originators have had their own shares of yeah, uh, and it's off. yeah. I was going to say that that would never happen in the United States. You know? Yeah, I was going to say I've just ticked <laughs> off uh, a bunch of issues that that uh, have confronted both Lycoming and Continental over the last decade or so. Um, yeah, we can see another spate of that. The one of the tricks, though, is um, how accountable a Chinese company is going to be. Versus, uh, what was it? What was the case with um, with both Lycoming and, and TCM headquartered here in the U.S.? I don't have an answer to that. I'm just uh, it's it's almost speculation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, since I think the ultimate goal here is to have small airplanes and 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 airports to handle them proliferate through the Chinese landscape and the business community and all that. You know, it, it, at some point there, somebody has to factor in the the cost benefit of building a product that, if defective, is going to primarily affect their own people. Are there are there and any that could be downstream by quite a ways too? Are there any Chinese brand aircraft these days? I mean, we certainly see aircraft from all sorts of countries around the world here in the U.S. Are there? Yeah, any? there there have been. I know that. Uh huh. There I mean, definitely are. Um, not, not, the, not, not necessarily ones that are built in China. Uh, well, I'm know. talking about airplanes that were built in China, but they were predominantly military. Uh, and usually somebody else's design modified for, right. for the Chinese, like yeah. the uh, MiGs that they flew uh, in Korea and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Those were Chinese origin. No, but I'm talking about like a pure Chinese brand LSA, for example. or uh, uh, There have been... Pure Chinese uh, utility airplanes, for example. Uh, well, uh, a, a knockoff of the uh, De Havilland uh, Twin Otter. Okay, uh, that's DH, true. DHC six. Uh, I believe the Chinese are working on a regional jet. I would think there'd be a good market for. They are China. working on a regional jet, and they've uh, been subcontractors yeah. to a lot of big airframers. Well, aren't they still involved in the in the building or assembly of the one sixty two? Right. They're doing that, and they've been building parts for Airbus and Boeing uh, for years. Uh, and we're building parts for McDonnell Douglas before McDonnell Douglas got uh, swallowed by Boeing. Uh, they're not without indigenous capabilities already. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they've had in the way of piston engine technology. I'm right. Not getting much in the way of Google response. Uh, right now that's okay well as someone once said it's a brave new world hey welcome folks to episode 217 of uncontrolled airspace the general aviation podcast we're recording this episode on uh, thursday evening december 16th 2010 
And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar, my two good friends, uh, Dave Higdon's out there. He's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, Dave. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. And it's weird sometimes to talk about the buildup of airplane building in parts of the world, knowing how much they depend on that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how's life in, in Wichita? Well, it it got right balmy today. It was uh, clearer than forecast. Uh after a couple of days of really bitter, damp, low ceiling, and uh, boy, clear, sunshiny today. I think it got all the way into the 40s. Uh huh. And also joining us here is uh, Jeb Burnside, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. So, Jeb, how are you doing today? We're I woke much up this morning. Today. Well, I woke up this morning and looked at uh, online and noticed that uh, Sarasota was reporting 37 degrees this morning. Yeah, it was early. It was lower than that. Uh, the, the two days before, we had hard freeze warnings down here. Uh-huh. Uh, today's Thursday, so um, uh, Monday and Tuesday night. Monday and Tuesday, yeah. So we had hard freeze warnings, though. Because uh-huh. it did, it did uh, good things for the GA market down there. People were uh, hiring helicopters to hover low over their strawberries. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, what does that actually do? What, how does that help? Keeps the air moving. Uh huh. So is that the equivalent of occasionally you drive around down there and you see what look like you know, blades, rotors of you know some sort on a on a post out in the middle of a field? That's a more extreme version. I'm sorry, it's a variation on the same thing uh, for people that don't have those fans on posts. But yeah, the, the the same theory there. You keep the air circulating, and you raise the. I mean, you lower the temperature, which uh, the the air has to fall for a hard freeze to occur. Mm-hmm. That's the theory, at least. And so, how long do they hover? I mean, just like for a few minutes, or for an hour, or oh no, they were flying for hours back and forth across these fields. Uh huh. So it's sort of like. Yeah, I mean, it sort of makes me think of. Uh, I've, I've I've never seen that before. A lot of it down here, or at least where I hear about, it, is they'll spray water um, on the on the fruit. Uh, yeah, that surprised me. That does sound well, odd. It, it it does two things. One, the warm the, the water of course starts out warmer than than um, the air, uh, and it does freeze if it's that cold. Uh, but the freezing actually, I think, insulates. Uh, it's what they say insulates the fruit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Uh, and they can salvage the fruit. I don't. I don't know everything there is to know. If I knew everything there was to know about it, citrus, I'd have been down here a long time ago. That backs <laughs> up what uh, what they were showing on one of the uh, one of the weather programs uh, a couple of days ago. The guy was in a field of strawberries, and they had a crust of ice on him. And yeah. Said this water is here deliberately, and the ice is uh, protecting the fruit, so you get nice sweet berries uh, here in a few more weeks. And I'm thinking. Boy, you're standing out in the middle of a freezing field, and you're talking about sweet berries? Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from the UCAP Autumn, soon-to-be winter headquarters, high atop <laughs> lookout point in the occasionally warmer than Sarasota, Nottingham, New Hampshire. Uh, Jeb and I were comparing notes a couple mornings ago. Rubbing it in. Yeah. We were comparing notes a couple mornings ago when it was 49 in Sarasota and it was 51 in New Hampshire. So uh, it's, uh, it's that well, we time had, of year. We had a nice day here today. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, <clears throat> we're, I'm in jeans and a sweatshirt. It's that kind of weather. 
Yeah, no, we're definitely in the time of year when the beams are crossing, and it's going to change pretty soon. <laughs> They're going to diverge permanently pretty soon because it's already colder here than it was a couple of days ago. But, you know, it used to be the, the Florida panhandle was where cold fronts went to die. I see. But now and, they, and that's no longer the case. Uh-huh. They, they live on is what you're trying. saying. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let's see now. I'm I'm finally, like I said, I'm back at uh, Lookout Point. I've I've been traveling. Anybody who's been paying attention knows that for the last three months, I've been on this almost nonstop travel binge. And uh, uh, today is the first full day home. Spent the day trying to uh, get used to the idea that I don't have to turn around and go on another trip in a couple days. Um, Now home through the first of the year. And that'll be kind of nice. But anyways. Has the the local... It's always always nice to come home to... A refrigerator full of out-of-date food. Well, that's the thing. I no, had to g- no beer. And, yeah. uh, Although today I was able to go shopping for things that I didn't have to worry about spoiling in two days. You know, it's like for three months now I go shopping and I don't buy any more than I'm going to eat in two days because it's going to sit in my refrigerator for two <laughs> weeks. And uh, so anyways. you're having to live like an urban dweller who you know like buys food every two days anyway, just because the fridge won't hold any more than that. Yeah. Yeah. David, you've been sending us e- links here. What are these two? This is uh... oh, that's why my computer's oh, been beat. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, oh, a whole beef. bunch, a whole bunch of stuff about uh, Chinese aviation. And, yeah. Uh, okay, so China rushes into building plans. Uh, what's this all about? They're building it. What's the Comac nine one nine airliner? That's the RJ. Isn't oh, okay. I mean, what's David go? Yeah, right here. Yeah, he's coming and going. The, the Internet's really weird tonight. We're just going to have to put up with it, I think. And uh, um, very, very ambitious across a lot of lines. Uh, yeah. Almost as ambitious as our future of aviation committee. Are, are, you know, are these the – what's the reputation of these aircraft? Is this like sort of the Asian Aeroflot? You know, do oh, am I going to like have to turn around well, at the gate if I see one of these brands? Well, I think you'll first have to go to China uh, to get on one. Well, Secondly, I don't, think it, I don't think it's certificated yet. Okay. Well, they've they've built airplanes for themselves for years, and that's always yeah. been the key. Do you see their airplanes flying in any of anybody else's uh, uh, being bought in anybody else's market? Mm-hmm. And no, you know, you, you might see it in North Korea, but you're not going to see it in Eastern Europe because uh, you know it's not certified outside China, well, and North Korea is going to take what they can get. For a long time, though, too, um, Chinese aircraft have been either licensed or just blatantly copied from other designs, uh-huh. uh, namely uh, Russian designs. Uh, is, um, China used to fly MiGs. Uh, well, but that was because they they, sh- they had political, you know, similarities, yeah, but, right? Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, a lot of their designs are. Um, have their had their roots in anyway in Russian uh, aircraft, um, but uh, they are now starting to design some what I would call indigenous or domestic aircraft. Um, whether we'll we'll see them exported, who knows? Yeah, David, this other link that you sent, the one that's the page is headlined the new Chinese Army Air Force. Yeah, now, this gives the this gives the Airbus 380 a run for its money as being the ugliest airplane, and um, this is a ster- seriously odd looking airplane from what I can see. <laughs> um, well, it, this it, looks it, like a cross between a C5 and a and an AWACS. I mean, it's like got the, one of them big rotating. Oh, the ra- Y8. Well, that that's yeah, that's kind of what is in the, what it, what it does. You take that away, and 
it, what it reminds me of, and this falls back to what Jeb was talking about, what it reminds me of is an, uh, an Antonov 124. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, take the it's, radar dome away from it. And, it's, it's based apparently on the, on the AN-12. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, the Russian AN-12 military transports, according to this website. Um, but it's going to use modern engines, um, modern propellers. Um, they have, you know, um, their their top line fighter is is uh, um, yeah, basically t- takes a lot from the, the MiG thirty three. Um, I, I don't know. I, that's just been their their um, um, history uh, in recent years um, to to uh, be using uh, Russian aircraft. Well, and if you look down below the that photograph that uh, it, Jeff, Jack was talking about, the I've look and the map of China and how it split up, then there's a big list of the 2006 estimate of China's uh, Army Air Force, their Navy Air Force, and a lot of the names on that list are indigenous manufacturers. Yeah, uh, building a lot of copy stuff, uh, building some original stuff, but Chengdu. Uh, Gizhou, Harbin, uh, Nanchang's been around for a lot yeah, of years. They, they have, yeah. Well, even that, even that, though, is a, is a copy of the Yak. That's what I was saying. They, they, yeah. A lot of what they, they build, but they've also built their own indigenous stuff. It's just never been sold or flown outside China right. because it never got certified outside China. And they, their market for their own military, I guess, was big enough to satisfy what they need. And you can always sell it to North Viet or to Vietnam and North Korea. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess. Anyways, and, and, and you know the ferry times are a lot shorter than if you bought something you know from U.S. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's uh, what absolutely. makes the deal. That's what makes the deal. Huh? <laughs> well, moving on here. Let's see now. Following up on a couple things Jeb talked about last week or in re- recent weeks. First of all, um, Jeb, you mentioned uh, uh, in the last couple episodes about how you had temporarily left your airplane up in Georgia at your uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. your family home. And uh, and then I think you mentioned on the podcast, or you mentioned to me offline, that you had gone to retrieve your uh, your airplane. I, right. I just wanted to clarify this. How did you get back to Tifton to get your airplane? You, you I didn't take a, the. No, you I didn't. A, I you didn't a, yeah, you didn't. You you didn't fly the airlines. You didn't break down and fly the airlines. To, no, there's no there's no air, there's no way to get. I, okay, look, the the, <laughs> the, the the closest airline service is an hour drive. And that means changing planes in Atlanta, okay? If I'm going to go to Atlanta, um, let me put it this way. I will drive to Georgia before I'll fly to Atlanta to change planes and, and, and do all that. Really and come back to Tifton, okay. Um, okay. That's, you know, um, four, four legs on, on the airlines is, is uh, I'm not getting uh. paid I'm not getting paid enough for that. Let's when, that when just, just, for, just out of curiosity, how long ago was the last time you flew the airlines, Jeb? Uh, it has been the last time I remember being on an airliner would yeah. have been would have been March of '08. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so long ago. Right. No, no. It seems like I've been on one since then. But uh, after I moved down here, I, I went back and forth a couple of times to DC. Ah, uh, okay. All right. The other thing you For mentioned, Jeb, yep. The other thing, Jeb, that you you commented on, um, you were talking. I think it was last week. Uh, wait, maybe wait a minute. Th- wait a minute. What? Uh, what, what? How did he, How did he get back to Tifton? 
Oh, he drove. I'm sorry. He said he rented a car. And rented, okay. rented a car. I rent, yeah. rented a car one way, which was, you know, gotcha. the, the, okay. the easiest, quickest, you know, uh, less, least drama solution. Um, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. Let's just put it that way. How hard is it to rent a car one way to a place like Tifton? As long as there's, they have a facility there, it's not hard at all. In this case, it was Enterprise. Well, I would imagine that the, the difficulty factor comes in the price, right? And it's probably pretty expensive one-way rental. Car. No, it was just a, it was just a hassle. It was, you know, it's, it's, renting a car. Maybe it's just the Enterprise experience. I don't know. But I used to rent a lot of cars when I traveled a lot and um, traveled via airlines a lot, and it was a much more pleasant experience then. Yeah. Uh, this well, was and it's a, always a hassle if the pickup and drop-off locations are different, even if they're in the same bloody town or state. That seems to throw their systemology a little bit. Yeah. You want to pick it up at Orlando, that airport, but you want to turn it in at our place at Lakeland Airport? Yeah. There's no airline flights out of Lakeland Airport. Yeah, I know. That's why I want to turn it in at Lake. <laughs> well, this the the company up in Georgia, and apparently the 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 franchise here also apparently does most of their business uh, with body shops and and uh, whatnot around town, where there's an accident and someone needs a car to rent. Their insurance covers the car, mm-hmm. and and um, that's a lot of the business they do, which I just never realized because everywhere I went. In both of these facilities, um, the big business was, hey, sorry, you wrecked your car. What can we fix you up with? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's become a real common, uh, uh, what, what, I don't want to call it add-on because it's not always an add-on, but uh, uh, covered insurance item is a rental replacement while yours is in for repair. Mm-hmm. You can even get it on airplane policies now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, the, the hook is renting something you're checked out in. Yeah. Anyways, Jeb, on a more serious uh-huh, uh-huh, um, aviation uh-huh. note, um, yeah. you, you were commenting, la- I think, last week or the week before, you were congratulating uh, Beach on reaching a notable milestone in their history. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, and your observation was um, how much progress aviation had made up until that point, which was, what, in the 1940s, 1930s? Um, the yeah, those the, the, we were talking about the design and first flight, I believe, of the Bonanza. Right, and what and what decade was that? That was nineteen forty-five. Was okay. December nineteen forty? The first flight, the first models were sold to the public in forty-seven. So we went from the Wright brothers to that in forty years, and then in sixty years, 40, yeah, right. forty-three years. It took us from the first powered flight, uh, sustained powered flight. Of the Wright brothers yeah. to modern, what we consider more or less modern aircraft, uh, was 47, 43 years. Yeah, and then and and, and to breaking the sound barrier was only a couple of years farther along. Right, that's right. And then some sixty years later, we some would think we haven't made much more progress. So, some would think that, yeah. Do, do uh, you think that aviation progress has slowed to a crawl? And that's my question. Which, depends on how you define aviation progress. Um, at the at the well, it's. I mean, we've seen we've gone to the moon. <clears throat> that's that's kind of an aviation thing. Uh, because yeah, but we, we did that almost fifty years ago. Well, we did that almost fifty years ago. That's that's a whole other topic. Okay, uh, space exploration and, and whatnot, and we can get into that if you'd like. Uh, I, I'm. I'm
I'm here all year. (laughs) (laughs) Have the veal. Um, (laughs) That's right. No, but I guess my my point is, um, no, there haven't been a lot of advances in in airframe design or in in our understanding of aerodynamics. Uh, There have been a lot more advances in our understandings of how to build an aircraft um, from the small to the large. You look at the, the range of aircraft we have today compared to even in 1947 when the Bonanza was first offered. Yeah. Um, and, and go back all the way to 1903, of course. A much wider range of aircraft from microlites and, and LSAs, um, Cirrus and, and uh, Lancer slash Cessna Corvallis line. Um, moving up, we have uh, some very, very interesting jets out there. Uh, some more coming if, if uh, people like Cirrus have their way. Um, Airplanes with parachutes built into them. Um, Airbus 380s. Um, all of this stuff, just the, the phenomenally wide range of different aircraft we have, even compared with, with 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, we have had progress. Um, we haven't repealed the laws of aerodynamics yet. Mm-hmm. But we've, fi- we've figured out a lot of different ways to, to make an aircraft uh, use those laws of aerodynamics. Uh, now, we still have a lot of progress on the GA side. Uh, we still have a lot of progress to make. We can still do you know, more things with airframes. We can maybe still do some, some interesting things with engines down the road. And, and maybe you know, on the flip side of, of the Chinese deal, maybe we'll see some good come out of that. The Chinese deal with TCM, I should say. Um, look at the avionics advances. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, look at the automation advances that we've made uh, beyond just you know GPS, for example. GPS is another kind of aviation uh, a- achievement. Yep. Space flight, and before that, it took uh, a flight an aircraft to, uh, uh, to get to that point, to get a GPS satellite uh, uh, in orbit. So, yeah, we've made a lot of progress. We, we haven't repealed those, those nasty, those pesty, uh, pesky little uh, uh, aerodynamics laws yet. Well, oh, well. It, it, yeah. it, there's a couple of points where I think people get a little frustrated uh, or disappointed or something like that. We have not, to the extent that we've wanted to nor tried to, expanded access to, to, to airplanes nearly as broadly as we think we need to. And we haven't managed to find a bullet that uh, will reverse the decline in the pilot population, which is uh, one of my old bosses told me once. He said, that's the doomsday scenario. He said, if you keep letting your market shrink, he said, eventually your manufacturing base shrinks in proportion. And then it comes down to you've got 10 pilots and every one of them has to buy a new airplane once every 10 years to keep the one manufacturing business building one airplane a year. Right. And that's not all that, you know, that's not all that far-fetched in well, the sense that it can get so small that the only people who will ever be able to afford it are going to be people that can use it for business and make it pay or, you know, people with just more money than they ever need for anything else. And eventually the... Uh, the access to the lower end, even the used airplanes, starts to disappear because they'll wear out after a while. Yeah, they will. I, I would agree with you except for one thing, and that is 
through the experimental amateur built aircraft. Uh, absolutely. We're not in disagreement on that. Okay. That will be the only thing that will stay alive. Right. Right. There, there will always be some, you know, uh, um, you know, martial law and, and, and something that just physically, legally prevents aircraft from flying, uh, private aircraft from flying. There will always be some kind of, of, of general aviation in this country. Because while you um, talk uh, very, very accurately about all the advances that we've enjoyed, in the last 50 and 30 and 20 and 10 and so forth, uh, we've had some losses in access over the last decade. We have. We've had some we, constraints in, imposed on us that we never would have accepted before and can question yet today. That's right. Um, we've made a lot of progress when it comes to materials and designs and uh, automation and things like that. We made less than progress on the political side. Yeah, um, and uh, those you know the times we live in. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another area where shrinking numbers works against us. We need right. more people. Uh, our old buddy from Winter Haven uh, had a nice op-ed in GA News recently about that. What's that? Uh, about how it's the individual pilots and and, and mechanics' responsibility. As pilots and participants in GA, to be you know kind of selling the idea and and doing our own individual efforts to bring in replacements for us, mm -hmm. we ain't going to be here forever. Yeah, who is the That's author true. of this? Jamie Beckett. I'm sorry. Yeah, our old buddy Jamie Beckett, a, a pilot writer who, for uh, reasons we talked about when we had him on the air at, at, at Sun and Fun, is. Uh, member of the Winter Haven City Council now. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I remember Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharp guy. Interesting stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is related or not. Um, AOPA uh, has, is conducting an online survey uh, about uh, UAVs um, and people's reaction to UAVs. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I just, I mean, and this is, of course, not a real scientific survey. It's, uh, you know, only being answered by people who choose to answer it. It's so you kind of take it's a little bit of It's only answered by people that are on their email list. And it's that, too. So, um, but it, nevertheless, um, the question was um, uh, various federal aviation agencies are looking into the question of flying unmanned and remotely piloted aircraft in our national airspace. Based on what you know now, which issue below concerns you most? And the four issues are, I'm not concerned about unmanned uh, Let's see now. I'm going to read the full. Uh, I'm not concerned about unmanned aircraft beginning to fly in the national airspace. Two, unmanned aircraft lose their uh, uh, lose their connection to their pilot on the ground. Uh, a third possible concern is unmanned aircraft will not be able to see and avoid each other, uh, avoid other aircraft. And the fourth possible concern is more airspace will be restricted where these aircraft will be flown. Um, I don't know if you have it. I don't know if you've looked at the uh, results yet. But what would your answer be, uh, uh, Jeb and Dave? Which of these four is your biggest concern about UAVs? I'm I'm mainly concerned about seeing a void. Seeing um, a void. Okay. I, I I just don't trust uh, the, the 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 culture operating these these uh, aircraft. Yep. Okay. Um, to keep my needs and my safety uppermost in mind. Okay. And David, which would be your concern? Mine was the one that got the smallest percentage that air, unmanned aircraft lose their connection to their pilot 
on the ground and, and occasionally seem to suffer a little reboot need for the ones that are pre-programmed. Yep. Okay. You know, they're, they're, they're autonomous, basically. Yeah. And I, supposed to be programmed to go back to square one, return to home nest if things get scrambled. Uh, you know, come on. We use cell phones, PDAs, computers, and we trust the idea of any of these things flying on an electronic connection? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, coincidentally, uh, I'm sorry, Jeb, were you going to say something? I, I was just going to simply say that the, 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 the way the question is phrased, unmanned aircraft lose their connection to their pilot on the ground. Um Manned aircraft occasionally lose their connection <laughs> to the pilot, okay, uh, and or the pilot actually, you know, severs that connection. Um, Sometimes the pilot loses a connection to himself. Yeah. That's right. That's right. This, I, I'm not minimizing that that concern, but I just kind of I just kind of chuckle out of that. Yeah. But uh, um, the results of this poll, um, as of right now, uh, the results, and and this has been consistent for the last few days since I first noticed this. Um, the number one answer, uh, uh, receiving uh, almost 50%, 48.9% of the uh, responses, was concerned that more airspace will be restricted when these aircraft will be flown. And then the number, number two, also was a, with a healthy response, 30, almost 30, well, 36.5%, um, unmanned aircraft will not be able to see and avoid other aircraft. Um, by far, those are the two big concerns. Um, I'm not well, concerned. And, and only you're, got, looking at, you're looking at cause and effect there. Yeah. yeah. Unmanned aircraft not being able to see and avoid other aircraft is the reason why they want to restrict airspace where they fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are kind of the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, one one causes the other. Right. Yeah. Uh, but as you pointed out, David, very few people are concerned about them losing calm, and uh, um, and very few people have no concern. So it's just a it's an interesting little data point, and. Uh, um, you know, I don't know what, where to go with that, but David, what's the future of Aviation Advisory Committee? Well, it's it just issued its report on Wednesday, December fifteenth. Yeah, and it was uh, to address environmental changes, balancing the industry's competitiveness and viability, and that's the instant that you know that it's really all about the airlines because. Yes bolstering or balancing industry competitiveness is not exactly anything that GA does. Uh, we, we, we're not in competition with one another. Ensuring a world-class workforce necessary for ro robust aviation industry. Again, when you start looking at the details, it seems like we're really talking about a lot of people to work for the airlines. Ensuring safety in aviation, securing stable and sufficient funding for our aviation systems, and interestingly, the biggest thing that I've seen the general media pick up on yeah. has been a little section that dealt with recommending that the FAA really take a hard look at prohibiting the practice of letting parents carry their children on their lap on airline flights. Oh, that's this report. Uh, okay, I saw that story. Okay, <laughs> that came out of this one. That came out of this, baby. I mean, that's what's the human interest thing. Oh, no, it could kill the child well damn straight it could kill the child yeah uh, uh, and, oh, by the way and the airlines you know go well we, you know you're gonna have to buy a ticket now but you know i don't know yeah, i'm so, very cynical uh, about the airlines uh, and i'm kind of cynical about this uh future of aviation advisory committee 
when they first announced it, they had like one GA body on there. He was the they chairman. Still only, of the, they still only have one GA body on it. If you look, body on it, you, and their charter the, didn't get anywhere near GA topics. Yeah. Now, if you yeah, look at the, if you look at the the participants, the uh, the members of the com, of the uh, advisory committee, they're all either business types or airline types or airport yeah. types. Yep. Uh, there's JetBlue, there's Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, uh, CEO Republic Airways, CEO Republic. I did a little Airways. blog post. San Diego County Regional Airport. About this. Yeah. Back when they first hey, hey. Hang, hang on, we're, we're talking on top of each other. Jeb, finish your thought. All, I was, all I'm saying is that this is stone cold, you know, an aviation, I mean, an airline uh, commission. There's nothing, it has nothing to do with general aviation. We shouldn't even be considering it in, 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 the, in the same breath as discussing general aviation. Okay. And, I, you know, these names, um, some of them I know personally. Um, um, but they're all the same, you know, the same, the usual suspects that would be rounded up for an event like this. Yeah. David, from you the, said from the get-go, the name of the bloody thing was was inaccurate. Right. Instead of the Future of Aviation Advisory Committee, it should have been Future of Airline Industry Advisory Committee, because uh, everything about it, the, the mission statement, the staffing, the participation, uh, the way it was structured was all about let's save the poor air carriers. And what's really funny is that right now the air carriers are pretty bloody profitable. Doing awfully awfully good right now with reduced capacity, higher load factors, and higher fares. That's right. Yeah. So excuse me if I look at this Secretary LaHood and go, "Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, where was the rest of aviation in this report? Moving on, David. You say that there's a uh, there's an, an emergency AD uh, that uh, concerns you. What is this? Oh, for the uh, Cessna and hang with us, Corvallis, which was once the Columbia, which was once the Lancer Columbia, right? Uh, once the Cessna 350 and 400. Uh, you know, among the more confusing moments in this poor airplane's naming history. Uh, during a production test flight, the Corvallis, if you, for those of you who don't remember, it's a, a, a big six-cylinder Continental hauling along a really lightweight uh, composite airframe. Uh, they go like spit. They're very much like Cessna, side, or like uh, uh, Cirri. Side sticks, electronic panels, uh, composite Seven feet of wing skin debonded from the main spars. Yeah. Now, the thing, light. now the, one thing that's interesting about this is when I was reading the summary of this AD, um, I was it, it was only making reference to uh, model numbers. It's Cessna model number such and such. And I didn't recognize the model number, so I was just thinking a Cessna. And I'm thinking of a Cessna that is made out of um, a metal airplane. And I'm thinking the metal wing skin debonded from the... I don't understand how that works. Um, but that's what's perhaps notable about this is that mm-hmm. the Corvallis is maybe the only airplane that Cessna makes that is a composite airplane. Oh, right at the moment, absolutely, yeah. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, yeah, Jeb. Composite. Uh, uh, yeah, only all composite. The, the the Mustang, all the Citation line. Uh, there's a lot of composites in those aircraft. Okay, right. they are primarily made of metal, 
But, you know, things like uh, wing panels and control surfaces and things like that often are made out of composite. Okay, yeah. good. Thank you for clarifying that. But, um, yeah, the main structure, the wings, the spars, the ribs, the skins, uh, and everything but the Corvallis is metal. The Corvallis, it's, uh, it's uh, carbon fiber. Yeah. So, nice. I mean, is this notable beyond it just being a serious AD or... <sighs> So, well, somebody see somewhere how did, back it goes. Yeah, yeah, somebody somewhere just screwed up. Uh, there's there's um, five eight serial numbers listed here as being affected. Um, so in and of itself, eight serial numbers. You know, someone set the curing oven wrong. But and by um, eight serial numbers, you mean eight individual particular eight airplanes? Individual airplanes. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, eight, yeah, eight right. Okay. Airframes. Air yeah. Right. Uh, that that are are targeted by this AD. Um, I, I can't get too worked up about it. You know the the um, um, you know there was another issue with uh, with Corvallis uh, a year or so ago um, where there was some uh, failure mode where the landing gear failed or something like that, and there was an, an oscillation that was set up in the fuselage, and basically the the tail cone would accordion would collapse. Uh, because of this this uh, uh, landing gear condition, just the the oscillations and the and the frequencies would um, basically toast the uh, the aft end of the fuselage. Uh, I've seen photographs of this, and it's not pretty. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's a design issue or a quality control issue. This sounds like a quality control issue. I think they're attributing it to a process issue, which is in in the end not doing it according to the specs and not catching it in the QC checks. Right. Uh, and the reason it showed up when it did, absent an abs- absolute wing failure, which could have been, you know, if it had demanded any more or the load had changed. But the uh, part of the area where the debond occurred sealed off a, a, a fuel tank in the wing. Yeah. And oh, okay. it started to substantially leak fuel. And when they landed to check it out, they went, wow, no wonder it leaks fuel. There's a big space between well, the we're really We're really overlooking the, the real uh, pucker factor thing here is. What's that? This was discovered during a production test flight. Production <laughs> test flight. <Thank laughs> this, this, this puppy was not out in the fleet. It hadn't been out there uh, um, long at all for any period of time. So it couldn't. It's not a longevity issue. It's a usability issue. It's a manufacturing issue, uh, and that's the problem. Yeah, uh, but, I, how, how would you like to be one of these poor schlubs who owns one of these other serial numbers, and this, and you know, ooh, you know, you're gonna give me a new airplane? What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. So this will become uh, uh, this will become a real story if they come back and give us some more serial numbers later on. That would be a that would be a real uh, a problem for them. Yeah, um, they need to. They I, I would be very interested the, if they come back and say the airplane can't exactly be repaired as such. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know that it could be depending on 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 how this was uh, what the root cause of this is. Right. You know, I don't know how the the airplane's put together. Uh, how the wings are attached to the fuselage, things like that. Uh, if it's all molded in one great big piece, I don't know. Yeah. I doubt it. Um, so you know, somewhere they're going to have to, if if it's a, a uh, just a fundamental issue with the manufacturer, the easiest thing to do is just scrap the component. Yeah. 
not talking about the wing spar or, or, or you know, uh, uh, entire wing assembly. That might simply be the, the easiest way to get, get past this issue. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I'm, my head is on it. Uh, the, the, the Lancer slash Columbia slash Corvallis is kind of an interesting machine. There is a steel tube structure. Okay. Inside the fuselage that carries the landing gear and the wing loads. Uh, then there's the composite wings that carry all the load, uh, the lifting load, and the tail cone uh, aft of the uh, the steel tube section carries the tail load. It's very much the way a Mooney is built, except it's composite instead of metal on the outside. Uh, replacing a wing would be eminently doable. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and and boy, that's the word that it was missing from me talking about it. Pucker factor. Yeah, looking out and seeing fuel coming from the wing, and um, it's not coming out of the cap. That's right. That's yeah. right. Hope, hopefully, that was noticed on the ground and not in the air. But yeah, uh, I know. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I if if I owned one of these serial numbers, I would definitely be looking at my warranty. Oh, big time. And if I had on either side of those serial numbers, I'd be wanting somebody to take a look at it and go, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure this is okay? Yeah. Get, get okay, let me out. see you fly it. Yeah, get yeah. the coin out and start tapping along the spar and see if you hear any different. Yeah. yeah. Any different noises. I, w- I would be up for that. Very, very interesting posting in the UCAP forums. Um, listener uh, Joe Murphy. Uh, has been very generous in sharing with us uh, a story, an incident that uh, he became part of recently where uh, he busted a TFR, basically. Um, uh, And uh, it's a very, very interesting story. Um, And it's a long story. I'm only going to try and summarize it here. And Dave, I think you're more familiar with it than even me, but let me see if I can do this real quickly. Um, First of all, uh, Joe is not a uh, new pilot. He's an experienced pilot. He's a CAP pilot. As a matter of fact, this happened while flying a CAP aircraft, a Civil Air Patrol aircraft, um, not on a search and rescue mission, on a what he describes as a transportation mission. Um, But uh, uh, as one of the legs of the flight that he was making, uh, he inadvertently, uh, and he's very frank about how he kind of, um, because it was a beautiful day in VFR and he thought he knew the airspace, um, he wandered through a uh, football stadium, TFR, uh, and, uh, and was... It was One called, of something over 100 that yeah. exist where that college plays football on the days of an hour before and an hour after the football game. Yeah. That so, doesn't uh, get into the national no-tem system. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's just kind of a big mess, if you ask me. But, anyways, he's very frank telling us a story um, as sort of a, a warning to for us all to be careful about this. And he talks about how things that he probably should have done differently, or at least if he, if he had done them differently, he might have not gotten jammed up. And uh, talking a little bit about, and, and the whole thing, I mean, enforcement-wise is still playing out, but uh, um, he's kind of so far anyways keeping us informed on how this is all going and uh, um, it, it seems at least for now that uh, it's not going to get incredibly ugly um, but there are consequences of this and it's it's all pretty interesting he's included copies of the of the mail that he's received from the from the FAA and uh, um, pretty interesting yeah, read it read it and shout at us folks uh, is it, it, it it's troublesome that the information on this kind of a TFR 
opening up on that kind of a Saturday. Yeah, oh no, I guess I could carry around the schedules of all the college teams well, at all the might, fields for all the cities that are on the list. But what we'll deal, yeah. it, it should be one place where you can find this out. Yeah, Jeb, go ahead. Why are we still dealing with this nonsense about stadium TFRs? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, that, too. Yeah, that's just... Okay, it's, 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 it's make work, it's voodoo security, it's security, all, all the bad things. Why are we still dealing with this crapola? Um, when we're when you know we're talking about people sticking bombs up their butts and and walking into crowds at airports and and movie theaters and, and everything, why why do we even have this anymore? Why, why is this still in play? Why is this still an issue? It doesn't make any sense. Well, do you, have you heard the TSA is now checking extra fruit shipments because they heard the Fruit of the Loom guys had made some bomb underwear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, thank you to listener Joe uh, Joe Murphy for uh, sharing this with us. We're going to follow this with interest. Yeah, it, it is, and 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 um, bummer, dude. Uh, and you're right, dude. Um, you for 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 uh, uh, you know bearing your soul on this uh, and keeping uh, people apprised of how this is developed and and how it's going to go and what the outcome is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be very educational for a lot of people. I certainly will gain something from it. I'm, I'm sure other other readers will also. I uh, sure. Um, you know, did. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for bearing your soul on this again. Yeah. David, what were you going to say? I said I sure did. I learned some things. Yeah. Yeah. It's all pretty interesting. As a matter of fact, another listener um, in this thread talked about uh, an enforcement action that he was the subject of um, that uh, played out, hopefully similarly, that in the long run had no effect, but uh, or no. He kept, he was able to stay flying, is my point. Um, so, anyways, thanks to uh, Joe Murphy, Murphy for this, and uh, and uh, we're think good thoughts for you, and we're very, very interested to uh, continue learning from this experience. What's next? Um, oh, I know one that I want to talk about. Here we go. Um, we talked, I think it was last week, about this this flight prep patent. Ding, for, ding, 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 ding. For online uh, flight planning, and how um, they were starting to some of the uh, online flight planning systems, uh, most notably Runway Finder. When we uh, recorded the episode last week, it seemed that Runway Finder was going to survive and was going to work out a deal. Uh, very, very soon after we recorded that episode, it turned out that Runway Finder did not survive and chose to shut themselves down. And they are currently shut down and under threat of a huge, I mean, a ridiculously huge lawsuit from flight prep. Um, the big news, though, perhaps, is that uh, Jepson and AO PA, um, the big players in this area, have uh, kind of spoken up about this, and and they've apparently said we're basically going to ignore this. We're not going to play. Um, uh, as near as I can tell, Flight Prep has contacted them, um, suggesting that they need to get a license from Flight Prep. Um, but uh, both Jeppesen and AOPA, at least publicly, are saying this doesn't cover us, we're not going to respond. Well, the funny thing is I know that I've been using AOPA's online planner to uh, rough in-flight plan since way earlier than 2005. Yeah, well, this may be them. You know, whether or not they're 
service is covered by this patent, um, they may be just posturing to, to just avoid getting into the whole lawsuit thing because, you know. Yeah, there's still a whole lot about this patent that doesn't. Well, yeah, there is. Yeah. There, there is. Jeb, when we spoke last time, you hadn't really had a chance to read the patent. Have you yeah, looked at the patent I anymore? I haven't read it any any further, any any more than I did at that point. And I would, you know, even if I had, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. So it really doesn't matter what my opinion might be. What I get, I get kind of a kick out of here is the lead paragraph in this story. AOPA and Jeppesen, two of the largest players in the online flight planning business, say a patent obtained by flight prep doesn't affect their products, and they are not willing to discuss it. Yeah. What the hey is that all about? Uh, it's them just saying we're not going to play. You know, we're not going to respond. We're not going to. Apparently, that's the reason that Runway Finder. As near as I can understand the public statements that have come out about this, um, when we recorded the last episode, Runway Finder thought that they he they were on the verge of cutting a deal with with right. uh, flight prep, um, but then suddenly it it got weird and that the the terms that were being offered were I don't know unacceptable or something. It almost sounds to me sounded to me like Runway Finder did not want to accept the this this, this temporary license because accepting the temporary license would have somehow acknowledged flight prep's claim there you go all right right what it reads like here that's, yeah. that's what it reads like in here um and i think that's the game that go ahead jeb flight prep had apparently threatened them with a 3.2 million dollar lawsuit yeah uh based on some math that, that flight prep came up with and you know, accepting this temporary license would legit would have legitimized the lawsuit. Is what you're saying? Right. I think it's. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, um, they have you know no. There was no middle ground on how this would come out down the road if they did accept this license, and, and would they in fact be liable for a future three point two million dollars in addition yeah. to. The previous uh, well, that three point two million dollar uh, number is ridiculous. If you oh, look it is. How it was it's, calculated. It's, it's, it was, it's you know, it's it, what are they? Well, they uh, arrived at the figure by multiplying the number of unique visits his site receives each month by the one hundred and forty nine dollar annual subscription cost right. for flight preps service. Yeah, this is the same formula so they, they use to calculate. Yeah, this is the same formula they try and use to calculate the the losses due to software piracy, which is right. ridiculous right. on the face of it. Right. Anyways, um, another thing of note out of this is that the other site um, similar to Runway Finder is Skyvector. And Skyvector, according to the, this news story, apparently did uh, reach an agreement and get a license from Flight Prep, which kind of disappoints me a little bit. I guess maybe they just decided that's the way they wanted yeah, to go. It's but precedent, baby. Exactly. So that's unfortunate. But uh, So anyways, we've got uh, Jepson and AOPA, who we speculated being the big players, were the ones that had the deep pockets to solve this problem. Um, currently, they're saying, we're not going to play, but this is all just a big game of chicken, and now we'll see what happens but next. There actually may be technological differences between what AOPA and Jeps do and what the uh, uh, what the patent holders do that make them confident that uh, that uh, a patent challenge would not be sustained as uh, you know we've 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 seen some controversy about AOPA and its finances and how it's managing things and its wine club and this and that and the other but there's one thing AOPA has been pretty consistent with over the years and that's its ability to hire good lawyers yeah yeah <laughs> 
Shout outs. We got any, uh, there's actually no shout outs on the list. Um, there's no shout outs on the list. Yeah, well, let's see. You guys have to invent something on the fly. I'll invent one on the fly. This is, let's see if I can, how I want to characterize this. This is a, uh, uh, an advanced retroactive future in the past um, <laughs> shout out. Um, most listeners, almost every listener, will hear this episode after this has happened. But uh, on Saturday morning, I'm meeting for one of, meeting a bunch of listeners at, uh, at uh, Nashua Airport again for one of our little uh, periodic uh, brunch meetups. Over there What's the Mid- weather forecast? Midfield. I don't know. I haven't looked at it lately, but uh, um, I think it's supposed to be good on Saturday. I think it's supposed to snow on Sunday, so I think yeah. we should be good. And uh, um, hey, hoping... you can fly in the snow. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyways, um, more on that later on. I'll report on on what we do on Saturday morning. You guys come up with anything? Uh, just one quick one, and this is to Mort Schnerd, who trains reindeer to pull sleigh for a guy up north. And Mort, we just want you to know that uh, we're thinking of you while you're knee deep in reindeer do. <laughs> okay, we're really reaching now. Jeb, would you come up with? Well, I was just—I would—I would just build on that and just urge him to be careful of of FAA guys walking around saying, you know, uh, uh, they they got to give Santa a check ride and then carrying a shotgun with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's not. Yeah, all right. Yeah. We'll do that annual story. Right. We're, we're not going to do that. No, no. 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 But we 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 wouldn't want to do that. That's right. That's right. Thank you, boys. Good. It's always that, good to talk with you. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It would be wrong. It would be wrong. That's right. <laughs> Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Where can people find you on the net, Jeb? Uh, JeBurnside.com, uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, uh, sometimes on AvWeb.com and uh, AEA.net. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net, aviation safety something or other once in a while, Uh, davehigdon.biz, or uh, this Saturday at the uh, Anchor Bar in Wichita, where I understand they have a 9.5% content uh, ale on tap, so we're going to try that. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to go close to that. <laughs> Sounds good. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan and Royce Earl and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips and other fun audio pieces. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column <laughs> labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. I'm not sure what's so funny about that. David? Uh, it's a joke about waterboarding. I can't go into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack will soon have that in his inbox also. <laughs> oh, I see. You guys are like trading. E- oh, okay. They're, they're, they've got a little back channel going apparently, and they're just trading jokes while I'm doing work here. Don't forget you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the wiki. aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, are you paying attention? Were you going to say something? Yes, avoid waterboarding. Go fly and uh, fly long and prosper because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. 
This is a beer podcast with an aviation problem. AMFFM. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.